0: Hello, friends. You have now entered the Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper, a podcast where we talk mostly about sports, but sometimes we mix in some other fun topics and conversations. So sit back and join us on this episode of the Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper. What's up everybody, welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast Brought to you by our awesome friends from hy and Toys and Ford I am your host Dan Casper. as always Appreciate you checking out this episode of the Man Cave Podcast We will be continuing our Green Bay Packers position preview series In this episode, taking a look at the secondary uh, of this team And I think the safeties group is going to be a group to watch when it comes to training camp and, and these preseason games. And I'll explain it coming up here, but we're going to take a look at the safeties and the cornerbacks for this Packers team as we continue our uh, preview series with training camp getting set to start in a couple of days from now. But uh, we're going to lead things off on this podcast. We're going to talk some Milwaukee Brewers. Brewers dropping the series against the Braves, but Sal Freelich was the story. You know, on Friday when when Brandon was in, but kind of said, you know, this this could be a good test, good litmus test for for the Brewers going up against this Atlanta Braves team. Um, you know, Brewers have been playing some really good ball. The bullpen has been playing or has been pitching really, really well. Christian Yelich doing his thing. William Contreras, you know, uh, playing pretty darn solid as well. Brewers are winning some series. They were winning some games. and Now they're, they're going up against one of baseball's best, if not baseball's best. So it was kind of a good test. We we thought this would be a good test. Well, we know the Brewers dropped two out of three, but they were competitive games, they were close games, grinded out games. So how would you grade this team? And maybe for some of you you're like, no, nope, they, they dropped two out of three, it's a failure. They, they didn't pass it. Some maybe you know, Bernsey didn't pitch in the series. Brandon Woodruff's gonna be coming back. Given what uh, you know, how this team, and, and, and maybe you're thinking, hey, they're going to add a bat too. Maybe you're the glass half full type of mindset with this thing, and you're like, you know what, I'm going to give them a little bit of a higher grade than than not fail. So what what would that grade be, or how would you how would you assess if we, if we use this mindset, as, or if we use this as a litmus test? How would you assess from what you saw from from the Brewers this past weekend? Okay. I'll give you mine here, but I'm going to give you uh, all a chance to, to chime in here first. First, let's recap this uh, this series before we look ahead to to the Red Series uh, as well. So you go back to you know Freddie Peralta's start. Who, who Freddie picked up the loss. He went five innings, giving up six earned runs, a couple home runs on there too. And this was Freddie' his first start after the All Star break. Before that, looked pretty darn good. Hoping maybe okay this is going to be trend upward it's going to be the freddy from from a couple years ago well yeah and then the brewers spotted him two runs early too two runs in the bottom of the first but the Braves able to uh, get those back and go up one in the second tacked on a couple more in the third Brewers tacked on some a couple runs in the sixth but just they they couldn't catch up to to the Braves so it was a 6 to 4 loss uh, for the Brew Crew in the series opener on uh, on friday but again you know i think uh the one thing you're looking at is like ah freddie giving up six earned runs there you'd like to see a little bit more of a consistency uh from from peralta this year we haven't seen you know the the all-star version of freddie from uh from a couple years ago but right now he's six and eight with that 4.72 era you'd like to see that's probably a little bit better from one freddie peralta uh, and then we go back to, you know what, I might hold on to Saturday's game here because we're going to talk a little Sal Freelick here. So we're going to skip over Saturday here for a second. No, no, I'll go in order, then we'll get back to Saturday here. So Saturday's game, obviously Sal Freelick, Sal Freelick, Sal Freelick, Sal Freelich. Sal Freelich, Sal Freelich. Uh, we'll, we'll get to him here in a second. Adrian Hauser, though, went six innings, giving up just six hits, three earned runs, struck out ten, no decision there. But uh, lowered his ERA down to a three point eight six, uh, and it was it was a Sal Freelich show, making his major league debut, three for three, including the sacrifice fly in the eighth, the go ahead run in the eighth, making a couple of highlight web gem style catches in the outfield. Brewers with the come from behind victory, they were down three to nothing through three, tacked on a couple in the fifth, tied it up in the sixth then that uh, go ahead sack fly from from Freelick in the 8th. I mean, if I know a couple people who are at that game and and I saw Adam McAlvie who covers uh, the Brewers make the I think it was Adam McAlvie, it might have been another Brewers beat reporter, but uh, made the comparison the energy in that uh, in that stadium was he thought, you know, kind of the, the first one that came to his mind was when Prince Fielder and Ricky Weeks made their debuts and they both had home runs. I mean, it was an electric atmosphere. On Saturday, and I would have loved to have been at the ballpark for for that game, but Brewers with that come from behind victory, <clears throat> kind of led by and pushed by their youngster who made his debut. We're going to get to Sal here in just a second. So Brewers then go into yesterday's game. Julio Tehran going up against his former team, where he's made multiple opening day starts for them former two-time All-Star for for the Braves, and he had a quality start. And Julio Tehran, you know, we know the story of what he's been like so far with the with the Brewers. Started off great his first few starts. He was that guy that wasn't getting a lot of run support, but he was doing his job, and he was going above and beyond of what we what we kind of expected from him. And then, you know, right before the All-Star break, a couple games before that, then then right after that, as he was struggling, attacking on a lot of runs, but the version that we saw yesterday looked like the version that we saw from the beginning part of his brewers tenure. Julio going 6 innings, giving up just one earned run, striking out 5. That uh, that home run there, but a bullpen that has been lights out as of late gave up uh gave up the game yesterday. Pagero going uh, giving up 3 earned runs and uh the Braves putting up 3 runs in that 8th inning there to uh to get the W. To pick up that win four to two. So Brewers dropping a series. Reds, winners of five in a row right now, I believe. And now just a half a game behind the Brewers for first place in the, uh, in the division, which sets up this Brewers Reds series starting tonight. We'll get to that here in a second. But back to Sal Freelick. Sal also picked up another hit uh, in, in the game yesterday. Also got to walk his OPS for just two games. A 1.292, 667 average. We know those numbers are going to come down now. But, you know, Sal Freelich has been a guy, one of those young outfielders that we've been hearing about for the last couple of years. I know Brandon and I were talking about him again on Friday. Could, you know, the, the whole right field issue where the lack of production offensively, I mean, Brewers dead last and OPS. You know we've been focusing so much on corner infield power. You know with with a bat that is like you know don't don't overlook right field. They they need some offensive production coming from their right field spot and and uh, you know we kind of ponder could Sal Frelick be that guy? Could he be a guy that maybe gets promoted and you know give him a shot to to do it? Kind of threw his name out there Friday along with again Kesten Hira and well. Sal Freelick got the call, and Sal Freelick has so far delivered in the very, 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 very early stages of his uh of his career. But I got to imagine Brewers are gonna to continue to give him more opportunities over there to see if he can provide that production from from the right field spots. And uh, if he can, if he can be that guy, you know it's then we only got a, a week from tomorrow before the trade deadline, but you know, if he goes out in this Cardinals series and continues the production, offensive production over there, I mean, i got to imagine the Brewers are probably going to give him more starts out there and maybe kind of look at, you know, possible outfielders before the trade deadline that could be available. Maybe they don't look at them as as much anymore considering, you know, a lot's going to depend on Sal Freelich and, and his offensive production. It's going to be a small sample size, but if he goes out there and continues to hit against Cincinnati, and then you know we got Atlanta again coming up this weekend we get another rematch against the Braves if the if the Brewers haven't made any deals before then, but South Reela continues to be you know an offensive improvement from, from right field, then maybe the need for a right fielder kind of goes down the list for for the Brewers. I mean there's no question they need another bat. They need another bat, and they need to acquire one before the deadline. You know, you can go to MLB.com, and they've got a uh, post-up, what each team should do at the deadline. Adam McCauvey, we just mentioned him. He's the Brewers beat reporter for Brewers.com. For the Brewers he picked, get a bat. The Brewers went into Sunday with an 88 WRC+, fourth lowest in baseball. They are the only first-place team below uh, below 100, which represents league average and that measure of offensive production. They were 24th in runs per game, lowest of every contender but the Guardians. This weekend's promotion of Sal Freelich should help, since the Brewers were last in the National League in production from that position. But there are other areas, the infield corners, for example, which could use a boost. Matt Arnold said he is looking to add, quote, responsibly, meaning he's not willing to mortgage too many prospects for a short-term ad which i don't think should probably surprise anybody uh at this point that that's the mindset but again we are a week and a day away from from this deadline and you look at some of the teams that are still in the hunt you know boston's only two games out they got atlanta coming up here so i mean if if you've If you are a Brewers fan that would love maybe Justin Turner to add to the DH spot, go Braves then. You want the Braves to maybe sweep them and knock them down for a few games and then maybe Boston's kind of like, uh, maybe we move on from a couple guys. And even then, I I, I don't know if they would. I don't know if they would. But then, you know, Yankees, we know they ain't selling. The Angels now are just four out of a wild card spot and, you know, if they – they got Detroit coming up here. What if what if they sweep Detroit? What if they move up and they're only a couple games out of a wild card spot? You know, you, you're looking at teams maybe like a Detroit, the White Sox, Kansas City, Oakland. Do they got any bats that they could be looking apart from Washington, Colorado? Now Pittsburgh has really fallen down. But are they willing to unload off anybody? Uh, St. Louis probably not. Mets, meh. Padres are only six back. So, I mean, there's some slim pickings out there. There's some slim pickings out there. Who who could potentially be out there? I know we we went through that on Monday. But has anything really changed since then? Probably not. Because there's going to be other teams looking for bats too. So you got to compete with them and supply and demand, right? Supply and demand and... There's going to be fewer guys available out there, but more teams want to bat. That price is going to go up. So Matt Arnold might want to spend responsibly, but considering the supply and demand with everything, it might cost a little bit more than probably other years compared. Right? It might cost a little bit more. But... We got some drama brewing tonight, don't we? Holy moly. I mean, this should be like playoff-like atmosphere in Milwaukee. You've got Brewers versus Reds starting tonight. The final three times that these two teams will face each other in the regular season. The final two times. It's a two-team race in the NL Central right now. Brewers up a half a game over the Cincinnati Reds. 3 games here. 3 big games for both of these teams. Head-to-head matchups. This should be playoff like baseball. I would imagine both of these teams are probably going to treat it both like a playoff like like type of series. You know, if you're the Brewers, you would love nothing more to and to sweep the Reds, go up three and a half, you know, since he wins a couple of these games and then you're talking they're back in first place with uh, with Milwaukee, especially, I mean, I don't want to look too far ahead, but, you know, after this series with, with the Reds, Milwaukee's got to go to Atlanta for three tough games down in Atlanta. So I mean, you just you just saw them, and you know how good everybody knows how good Atlanta is. Kind of makes this series with Cincinnati a little bit more important too, so you can increase that cushion between yourselves and and the Reds. It kind of you know, it, I hate to say it eases up here a little bit after that, but I mean, you know, after after that you got Washington, and then you got Pittsburgh, who's just you know struggling right now, and then. You know, Colorado, who's dead last. And then you got uh, the White Sox, you know, after that, too. They're they're fourth in their division. So it eases up a little bit after this, uh, well, after Cincinnati and, and Atlanta coming up here. But then it picks back up. Dodgers and, and the Texas Rangers in the middle of August. Minnesota's in there, too. Minnesota's, you know, right now three games up. They've been eight and two in their last ten, winners of three in a row. They've they've increased their cushion a little bit over Cleveland uh, by three games for the division. And then you got the Padres towards the end of the month of August, and who knows that what position they're they're going to be in at that point. Who knows what they're going to look like at that point? But this is a big time series coming up here right before the trade deadline, too. This might be you know, maybe some last uh, impressions for some of these players to, to make for the front office. You know, going out there and saying, hey, you got to hold on to me. Don't include me in any trade proposals or anything like that. But, uh, you know, before we, we preview this, this Red Series, I asked you the, the, how would you assess the, the Brewers' performance against the Braves if we use that as a, as a litmus test? I would say, and I'm not a I'm not a big believer in you know moral victories when it comes to to sports. I mean, occasionally there might be that, but when I look at this series against you know the Braves and and you factor in a couple things, I'm not you know I'm still excited about the Brewers for this rest of this regular season and, and getting into the postseason. I think all things considered, when you factor in Brandon Woodruff coming back, Corbin looks like Corbin. They've got a, a pitching staff that that can keep you in some games and win you some games, but they still need that extra batter too. I think this Brewers team is going to be a pesky team. They're not going to be a rollover team. You know, if they get to the postseason, they're not going to be a rollover team. They're going to be a team to, you know, that's going to give opponents fits. Maybe even win some games and win a series or two. You know, would I put the Brewers in the category with the Braves? You know, in that in that tier, no, I would not at this point. But I think there's some positives you can take away from from that series against the Braves. And I think what that that series told us is that you know, Bray or the Brewers, they're a good ball club. They got some holes. They can improve some of those holes potentially by the trade deadline and and with just getting some guys back due to injuries. They're a good baseball team. And they're gonna give whoever they play some fits, and they're gonna give give them some tough games. And they're gonna win some games against some good teams, too. Brewers. Reds. Kind of a playoff like series starts to nights. Let's preview it. It's pitching matchups here. Colin Ray is gonna go for the brew crew here. He's gonna to get to start five and four with a four point six four. ERA Graham Ashcraft is getting the uh, the start for the Reds who is 5 and 7 with a 5.77 ERA. He is coming off of a win against the Giants back on the 19th where he went 6 innings and gave up just two earned runs. In fact, you know, he did pick up a loss against uh, the Brewers back on the 14th, but he only gave up one earned run in that game. He went 6 innings and uh uh, five hits and one run in his last three starts. He's two and one. That one loss being against the Brewers there, uh, too. So I mean, he hasn't been giving up a lot of runs in his last couple of uh, last couple of starts. I know his ERA so far this year is that five point seven seven, but in his last couple outings, it's been some quality starts over there. So we'll see what uh, version we get from him. He uh, uh, will will get the start for the Reds, but Colin Ray getting the start for the Brew Crew. Colin Ray coming off that no decision against Philadelphia where he went five innings and given up two earned runs back on the 19th. Also had a no decision against the Reds back on the 8th where he went four and two-thirds, but he did give up five earned runs. Struck out seven in that game uh, as well. So, But uh, when you look at the, 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 the uh, lineups, the offensive lineups uh, against these pitchers, you got a couple of guys uh, with with a few games experience going up against uh, going, going up against Graham Yelich, fourteen at bats is hitting two fourteen. Willie Adamas, and eleven at bats is a career two seventy three hitter uh, against him. Other than that, you've got you know guys with with a couple of games experience like Owen Miller, six at bats is one sixty seven. William Contreras, six at bats is six sixty seven. Uh, Tyrone Taylor actually has nine at-bats, and he's hitting .333 uh, against him. So on the flip side here, you know, with the Reds, and I'm sure a lot of these numbers have come from, from this year's uh, stats and such, but uh, some Reds hitters, small sample size, you know, game, couple games worth, but they've had some success against Colin Ray. Uh, you've got uh, Benson, four at-bats, seven fifty, including a homer. And with Fraley, you got uh, McLean, 405 at bats. Votto, 7 at bats, 429. So, I mean, it's, you got a couple games worth of experience going up there. Uh, De La Cruz, 3 at bats, 333. So, one for three uh, against him. So, you got that pitching matchup tonight. Tomorrow, we'll see Corbin Burns. This might be a heck of a pitching matchup uh, for the game tomorrow night. With uh, with Corbin Burns, who has looked like vintage Corbin Burns, you know, as of late, his back to back games has been fantastic. But you got Andrew Abbott going on the mound for for the Reds, who one is a left handed pitcher, um, but he has been pretty solid this year, five and two in his nine games started, five and two with a two point one oh ERA. But he did both of his losses have come against the Brewers. So kind of weird that you know the Brewers have struggled against left-handed starting pitching this year, but his and, and so they're going up against Abbott, who's you know number-wise has been pretty good. Just two losses, but both those losses coming against the Brewers. And in fact, two of those three, two of his last three games have been against Milwaukee. Uh, the most recent has been on the fifteenth, where he went six innings, two earned runs in that game, and then back on the seventh. Where uh, he just went four and a third but gave up six earned runs. So, should be a good pitching matchup regardless. Coming up on the game on Tuesday and then Wednesday, the series finale and the season finale uh, for these two ball clubs. Yeah, Freddy Peralta, who is going to be on the mound. Can he bounce back from his performance on, uh, on Friday there? So, we'll preview those games once we get to them here. But, uh, one game at a time. One game at a time. And we got Colin Ray. On the mound for the crew tonight. Hopefully we, uh, hopefully we get a good version of Colin Ray, but hopefully as well we get uh, the offense that comes out and and helps support him and gives him an early run. Just go out there, put up a put up some runs early, put up some runs early, put him in a hole early, let him play from behind. Okay, give Colin Ray some support early. I want to see runs scored first couple innings for the crew. Okay. Let's go. Dig them in a hole. Get the crowd into it. I hope Amfan Field tonight. I know it's a Monday and it's weekday series and and that sort of thing. But I hope Amfan Field is packed, and I hope that crowd is electric, and I hope that you know they treat this as like a playoff like atmosphere because it kind of is. It really, I mean, this is the last time we're going to see these two ball clubs going at each other in this. In this regular season and right now it sure looks like it's going to be between these two teams to decide who's going to win the nl central so when you come to tiebreakers and maybe some head-to-heads these three games could be very important once we get to the end of september into october take care of business if you're the brewers okay take care of some business get it done crowd if you're going Anybody in Milwaukee listening right now, you're going. Make AmFam feel loud. Get behind your team. But Brewers, give them something to cheer about too. Okay? Put some runs up early. Let's get some dominant pitching performances here. And let's get a sweep. All right? Let's get a sweep. Let's let's move the Reds down three and a half in the division standings. Okay? They've won five in a row. They're a young, exciting team. I think uh, across Major League Baseball, from the national side of things, with the pundits and all that, they're all on the, you know, they, they like the Reds because of the young talent, Ellie De La Cruz, who's an exciting, uh, great player, going to have a long career ahead of him. But let's show the rest of the baseball world, too, that the Brewers are a good team, too. They're forced to be reckoned with. Let them fly under the radar here a little bit. I don't mind if the Brewers fly under the radar uh, a little bit here. But this is an opportunity right now for the Brewers. That begins tonight. To maybe knock down the Reds' pack. Potential tie-breaking scenarios when it gets to it later on. We won't know if that will come into play until September. But let's get back on that winning wagon bounce back from this series loss against the braves get some our confidence back and uh let's go take it to the reds all right let's get this series win you've got bernsey pitching in this series colin ray who's been you know a guy we probably i'll be honest with you i didn't know who colin ray was before the season started he's been thrown into a role that you know due to injuries and such he's been asked to start a bunch of games so far for the brewers and he's filled in admirably hopefully he's got some more great starts in him hopefully we get one of those tonight, and hopefully freddie peralta bounces back for that series finale on wednesday and leads the ball club to a w there too we're going to take a quick break and then coming up after a word from our sponsors we'll talk some packers training camp position preview series continues We take a look at the Secondary. Summertime is a busy and expensive season. Get-togethers, vacations, road trips, cookouts, which also means lots of shopping for supplies. So why not make your shopping easier and cheaper on your pocketbook this summer so that you can enjoy it more? Seems like a no-brainer, right? But where do you go? Hy-Vee! From the best prices in the produce area to the best selection in the meat department in a huge wine and spirits area, Hy-Vee has you covered for this summer. Make Hy-Vee your go-to summer stock-up store and enjoy your summer this year. With all the running around you've been doing so far to Little League games and quick weekend road trips, are you starting to realize it's time to get a new vehicle? Where do you start though since buying a new vehicle is a very big decision in your life? Well take some of the stress off and make your decision easy by visiting Toys and Ford in Chippewa Falls. Family owned and operated you can trust Toys and Ford when it comes to finding that new vehicle for you that fits in your budget but also gets you to where you need to go. Having a proper vehicle to get you to those Little League games and family get-togethers is important and Toys and Ford knows that just visit Toys and Ford today all right let's continue our Packers position preview series with training camp practice numero uno coming up on Wednesday we've got the shareholders meeting today Martin Murphy's gonna have a press conference after that tomorrow we're gonna hear from Matt LaFleur and Brian Gudekens, and then that first practice coming up on Wednesday some of the rookies reported on Friday the injured players uh, and then uh, the quarterbacks uh, reported on Friday too so we are getting closer, baby, getting closer. We've hit up the quarterbacks, the running backs, defensive line, inside-outside linebackers, wide receivers, and tight ends. So let's take a look at the secondary, which includes the corners and uh, the safeties. Let's start off with the corners. It's led by none other than number 23, Jair Alexander. And I think the big thing when it comes to Jair Alexander is we already know he's one of the the premier corners in this league. But I think the big thing when it comes to Jair this year might not even be Jair himself. It might be defensive coordinator Joe Barry and how he uses Jair Alexander this year. Is he going to allow Jair Alexander to, you know, shadow teams number one wide receivers, make him a little bit more versatile, make him or uh, allow him, I should say, might be the best way to put it, allow him to be a little bit more versatile, allow him to play some press man and get up there instead of having that extra cushion and less zone, is he going to kind of unleash Jair Alexander earlier this year as opposed to too late last year? So I think we all know the skill level that Jair Alexander brings to this team, brings to the table, but... It might not be all up to Jair this year on how well he plays. It might be just how handcuffed is he by defensive coordinator Joe Barry this year. So that to me is is the biggest thing when it comes to these corners is what's the game plan going to be from Joe Barry this year? What, what what's he going to allow his corners to do? Is he going to allow them to play man coverage? Is he going to allow guys like Jair Alexander to to be a little bit more aggressive? Is he going to allow them allow Jair to go cover Justin Jefferson, shadow him a little bit more a couple times the two games this year? Uh that to me is 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 the biggest thing when when it comes to to Jair. I don't have any concerns or, or questions about his game. It's just how much is he going to be handcuffed? What, what's 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 the what's the plan for him? What's the plan for for this group overall? And then you look at okay, so behind Jair, right now it's Rasul Douglas as as your number two corner. Last year they tried him, you know, maybe slotting him in as that nickel slot guy, getting in there because it was Jair and it was Eric Stokes as your top two to open up camp. Rasul is gonna be going back to the outside, which I think suits him a little bit better. He's a bigger, uh, you know, bigger corner, probably gonna be matched up with the with the bigger I mean the guy's six two and over two hundred pounds. And that's why a lot of people kind of assume too Rasul Douglas might be better suited for uh for, for a safety role, and maybe eventually he, he will develop into that. But right now it sounds like they're gonna keep him as that outside corner. So look I look for an improvement from Rasul Douglas, and not say he was awful last year. But he didn't make as many plays as the year prior, and maybe some of that was just due because of uncertainty and nobody really knew what to expect from Rasul Douglas, so he set the bar pretty darn high. But from all accounts, he's probably one of the hardest workers. He spends a lot of time film, watching film, in the building, staying past practice and that sort of thing. I love his mindset. I love his attitude. So I'm looking you know, for Rasul Douglas to have a solid year. Then after that, it's like, okay, who is that nickel corner? Because it seems like nickel corner is more so a base defense than a typical base defense this year, having three corners out there instead of two. Well, it sounds like Keyshawn Nixon's going to have the first crack at it. Uh, mostly we we know Keyshawn for special teams and uh, for coverage, but also in the returning game. He ain't going to catch anybody by surprise, I don't think, this year uh, in the return game. So, But he's going to get a crack at... At being that that slot guy, he's got the typical size. I mean, he's a smaller five ten, you know, guy over there, more suited probably to to cover those slot, those quicker, shorter slot receivers out there than what Rasul Douglas uh, was kind of last year. So, Ken Keyshawn, you know, he's gonna he's gonna get the first crack at it. Can he win that? We know he's an athletic guy. He's a playmaker. They they keep joking around. Could he be involved in the offense in some plays and that sort of thing? But uh, I'm excited to see Keyshawn Nixon have a uh, uh, an improve or I should say uh, improved increased role on his defense. Now I know there's going to be some that are going to be a little concerned. Could it affect his ability to you know be involved in the return game? You know, maybe Reed the rookie is going to you know kind of take some of that load off uh, a little bit there too. But Nixon, we'll see what he's got with uh, playing at that nickel spot. And then after that, I mean, you got you got. Jean Charles, who's been around for a couple of years, he's a little bit smaller too. He's five ten, but he's only listed at a buck eighty four. We, we've seen him, and he's—I've liked him. I think he's a scrappy player, and he's made some plays. The biggest concern with him is just his size, in, in my opinion. I mean, he's—he's he's a pesky guy. He's a pesky corner. He is a, a slot type of corner. It's just been his size, and can he get out physical by bigger wide receivers out there? I think that's kind of been. His biggest downfall uh, so far this year. So you got him on there. You got uh, uh, Corey Ballantyne, who's been around for a few years in in this league, too. When it comes to these bottom end of the depth chart corners, a lot of it is going to be dependent on these guys are going to win jobs depending on how well they contribute in special teams. Can they be guys that can be gunners on the special teams unit, coverage units? Can they make plays on special teams, on punts, on kickoffs, that sort of thing? Jair, Rasul Douglas, locked in. Keyshawn Nixon, position locked in. Everybody else, you want to improve your stock at making the team from from a cornerback standpoint. You got to make some plays in special teams. You got to make some plays in coverages. So, Eugene Charles. The the Ballantines. The maybe a, a Tyrell Ford or even, you know, William Hooper or uh the, you know Thomas, Keandre Thomas, Carrington Valentine, who, who was a draft pick this year. I'm I'm kind of intrigued with him to he's he's got some interesting skill sets, six foot. He's listed as six foot, uh, about a buck ninety. Um I'm curious to see him this the train I I mean you know, you could say that for a lot of the rookies and, and a lot of the, the the younger guys coming in here, but but Carrington was a seventh round pick uh, for for the Packers this year, and and he comes in, and when you look at some of his his uh, drafts, if you go back to the draft and you look at some of the scouts' write ups, and and one of the things that was kind of put out there, he's he's got the physical traits to to play corner, he's got that frame. But the instincts need to improve. The instincts, the fundamental fundamentals of playing that cornerback position need to improve a little bit. And maybe that's where, you know, he's a seventh round pick. If he wants to make this ball club, he's got to contribute on special teams. Because if you look at the next gen stats from, from the combine and all that sort of stuff, he ranked as the seventh highest corner in athleticism. Seventh highest corner. But it was his other scores, like production score, 36th. Total score, overall cornerback rank, 27th. He's gone up against some good competition, you know, playing in Kentucky, going up against uh, some of those SEC teams and such. But I think he's got some work that he's going to have to, you know, he's, he's going to have to climb up on that depth chart. There's some open positions, especially considering, you know, with, with Eric Stokes, Starting the at least right now it could change before the season opens, but Eric Stokes going to be starting up on the pup list that was already that was already out there. So potentially another, uh, another position opening up. But Valentine might be a guy the rookie to kind of keep your tabs on keep keep your eyes open for for him this year or for for training camp and, and uh, preseason. Because we know Green Bay likes to keep their rookies, right? They like to keep their rookies. They don't want to get rid of them too much or right away. They want to give them an opportunity. But I think if Valentine's going to make this ball club, he's got to do it on special teams. And, you know, going back to Eric Stokes, Eric Stokes, we really haven't talked a whole lot about him. You know, when he was at minicamp, we talked a little bit about him. We've kind of found out some of the injuries that uh, he suffered last year and such. But you know, we've been focusing on Rashawn Gary and his you know, when is that guy going to come back? And when when he does come back, how effective is he going to be on on the field right away? Assuming he's going to have to knock off some of that rust. But how quickly can Rashawn Gary be back to Rashawn Gary status when he does hit the field? So we've been focusing on that a lot. But we haven't really talked about that at length with a guy like eric stokes and and i get some of it is because you you look at the depth at the cornerback position and you got jair and you got rasul douglas whereas you know eric stokes is probably what third on that depth chart where rashawn gary is the number one guy so i get that but eric stokes i think is still a pivotal player for for this defense we want eric stokes on the field we want eric stokes healthy on the field we know about the guy's speed We know what he can do. We saw some great things, some positive things in his rookie season when he was thrusted into that starting lineup because of the injuries to the cornerback group like Jair Alexander. Got a lot of playing time, right? Got a lot of playing time when Jair went down. Eric Stokes was kind of the number one corner out there. And I thought he performed pretty darn well. We need him back. We want him back in this lineup. We need that speed. We need... You know, you look at across the NFL; it is a passing league. Okay, how many teams are three, four deep at the wide receiver position? More corners, the better. So, the sooner Eric Stokes can get on the field, and the sooner that he is, you know, able to play to that Eric Stokes level that we saw in, in his rookie year, or even a little bit higher up, because setting the bar up, you, you you want to see improvement, you want to see stacking success. Sooner we see Eric Stokes back out there, the better this defense is going to be. Just kind of have to wait and see now. It was a significant injury that he suffered last year. But once he's back and everybody's healthy, your top four with with Jair and Rasul, Keisha, and Stokes, I think that's a solid four. And probably the team's going to carry six or seven total corners into the season. But the wild card in this whole thing is Eric Stokes. Is he going to be on the active roster to begin the season? Or are they going to start him off the season on the pup list where he's going to miss the first few weeks? That's the difference between probably two or three jobs available on this roster is the Eric Stokes question. and Right now we don't know. We don't know. And we won't know for a while yet. We got time. Not a whole lot, but we got some time. Moving to the safeties now. Safeties might be one of the the jobs or one of the, the position groups with this ball club that we have an open job for. Darnell Savage is going to be the starter at one of those safety spots. But then, who's the starter next to him? Who's going to win that job? You've got Rudy Ford, who's been getting a lot of the reps Next him, Rudy Ford's been in the league for seven years, mostly for special teams play. Rudy Ford, you know his big game last year was against the Cowboys, where he got a couple picks. He's going to get the first crack at that. Packers brought in Jonathan Owens from the Houston Texans. Jonathan Owens' best year was last year. He was kind of spending some time up and down practice squad. Uh, act you know the regular squad the 53 man roster with Houston last year got more of an opportunity cashed in made the most of that packers bring him in this year on a free agent deal you've got other guys on this on this roster too that have a few years uh, of experience one of them being Tarvarius Moore he had spent a few years with the San Francisco 49ers and one thing, too, you look at some of it. I mean, the guy has played a lot of games for San Francisco. Is uh, Last year he played 13. Every other year, I mean, he played 16 games. Special teams, you know, but you're bringing in a guy that's got a lot of snaps from from the safety position. You factor him in there. They drafted Anthony Johnson Jr., who, to me, was one of my favorite draft picks from, from the draft. And I know I, I share that that opinion if anybody kind of follows like ben fennel ben fennel has been on our program uh a few times before kind of a draft draft uh, expert out there he loved the anthony the the anthony johnson pick too i the fact that they got him was it the the seventh round I, i i believe i thought that was a win uh for for green bay there anthony johnson from iowa state yeah seventh round here but it's interesting, too. One of the player comps that he has is John Johnson, who's right now a free agent uh, out there. But he's a corner-turned-safety. He's got athletic traits. He's got the physicality. Is he a little raw at that safety position? Yeah, he's a little raw. But he brings that physicality and that center field, that ball skills type of uh, experience to the safety position. I'm excited to see Anthony Johnson. Like I, After he was drafted... I thought, okay, and I think I might have had him in my Packers mock. I can't remember. But I'm excited to see Anthony John. I hope he gets opportunities. I hope he gets plenty of opportunities this training camp and this preseason to showcase what he can do. And I know I'm kind of putting him high on a pedestal for a seventh-round pick. I think the Packers hit a home run, him still being available in the seventh round there. But I love his athletic traits. I love what he can bring to the table. I just want to see him have an opportunity. To showcase that, and when he does have that opportunity, hits a home run with it. Hits a home run with it. He is definitely one of those guys that I am going to be having my eye on this training camp, this preseason. Number 36. And I know when you're a safety and you're wearing number 36 for the Packers, there's going to come some expectations. Leroy Butler, Nick Collins. There's going to be some expectations wearing number 36 playing safety for the green and gold. But I'm excited to see Anthony Johnson Jr. I hope we see him a lot on the field. I hope we see him a lot in preseason, and I hope he's making plays back there. I think some of the intangibles, some of the traits that he brings to this position, it's going to be intriguing, and I'm excited to see it. Now, will he open up as the starter alongside Savage? Probably not. Probably not. He's going to have to be a guy like those corners... They're going to have to make some plays on special teams. Make the plays on special teams. Get that job. And then continue to work on your craft from that safety spot. But the safety group is, is intriguing because a lot of these guys, too, outside of Savage, but a lot of these guys were initially brought in for special teams. Last year, Rudy Ford, after the Jaguars released him, was more of a special teams guy. Special teams ace. Packers bring him in. Now he's in the running for being a starter. Uh Dallin. Remember Dallin, number six, kind of the spark plug, the guy that would just irritate people on special teams? He's listed as a safety. But he's going to make the team because of his special teams experience. Because of what he can do on special teams. So when you look at this group, you got you got Savage, who's going to make the team. Rudy Ford is going to make the team. Uh Dallin's going to make the team. I think. And then you got Jonathan Owens, that's four. Uh, Tarvarius Moore, that's five. Didn't even mention Enos Gaines, who's been around for a couple years. That's six. Anthony Johnson Jr., that's seven. They ain't going to carry that many safeties. They're not going to carry that many safeties, I don't think. But even though this is a position group that has one, I believe, right now at this point in time, one starting spot open, and I think Rudy Ford's gonna is is probably gonna win it. If I had to make a pick right now, and he's gonna get the first shot ch- chance to to win that. But even with one starting job open, there's gonna be some battles for these safety spots because what probably gonna carry five, four, five, five, probably a nice even number there of safeties. So the more you can do, if you're one of these guys like an Anthony Johnson Jr. an Gaines, Gaines. Uh, Jonathan Owens, those type of guys, more, those type of guys, the more you can do, not only from, like, a safety perspective, you know, whether it's stacking the box and run support, playing center field, defending coverage, but the more you can do, like, on special teams, the better your chances are at at winning a job. Winning a job this year. So this this position group, this, this safety position group, I think is going to be an intriguing battle throughout training camp and preseason. And there's questions surrounding Darnell Savage. I know we didn't really talk about him. We, we slotted him as a starter because he's, he's a starter. But there's questions. There's legit questions about Darnell Savage, too. Let's be real. Up and down so far in his career. We've seen some good. We've seen some pretty bad. And I know Matt LaFleur earlier in this offseason said, kind of insinuated that they're going to put Darnell Savage in a position to succeed, kind of build around him a little bit. What is that going to look like? We've seen him struggle against covering tight ends, which, I mean, you look at Darnell Savage, he's 5'11". Should he have been covering tight ends to begin with? Eh, Probably not. Tight ends are like 6'5", 6'6", 6'4", now. And they probably got like 50 pounds on the guy. A lot of questions whether Darnell Savage should be more of a slot corner. So, what kind of role are they going to have for Savage this year at, at that safety spot? I have to imagine it's probably going to be more of that center fielder, back end, you know, cover one, going to help out on some deep routes, playing that type of role. Whereas these other safeties, I think, you know, you look at the Rudy Fords, 210. You look at uh, Tarverius, Tarverius, Tarverius Moore, 200. Owens, 210. Anthony Johnson Jr 205. those are bigger safeties in the box helping out run support. I think it's gonna be a fun battle with with this group. I really do. I really do. And the difference might be how well they play at special teams. Well that's gonna do it on this episode of the Man Cave podcast until next time I'm Dan Casper and I will chat with you on the next episode of the Man Cave podcast. That's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Big thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. A couple of quick reminders for you. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to the Man Cave Podcast on your favorite podcasting platforms like Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can leave us a voice message, whether it's a comment, analysis, or a question for a question and answer segment, just get that link in the podcast description. Also, don't forget to rate and review the podcast if you haven't done so already. This helps other people find the Man Cave Podcast and be a friend and tell a friend about the Man Cave Podcast. Until the next episode, I'm Dan Casper, and thank you for listening to the Man Cave Podcast.